episode 209 for January 2013. If you're wondering, that was George Michael of Wham! Fans. Thinking about Amazing, or R.I.P. Amazing, it'll be back. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is on the second issue of the Alpha miniseries. I love the description. Here's a quote. Alpha, inarguably the greatest superhero of his or any past and future time, has been restored to power by the superior Spider-Man. He's saving damsels in distress, he's leaping tall buildings, and he may have accidentally murdered someone. Wait! Unquote. <laughs> the cover price, $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Okay, time for iTunes reviews. Uh, we've only had uh, a couple in the last month. Let's start with the best handle of all time. Holy shiz nipples. <laughs> <laughs> What a name that you can't make up. He wrote on iTunes the subject title, Amazingly Awesome Podcast. Five out of five stars, he says, Mr. Holy Shiznipples. I just had to say it again. Uh, quote, I love this show. One of the best on iTunes, in my opinion. The panel is hilarious, and they never disappoint. I don't always agree with the opinions on the podcast, but it hasn't stopped me from listening. Keep up the good work, guys. So, Mr. Holy Shiznipples. Anybody else want to say it? It's kind of fun to do. Holy okay, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take it out for a spin. Holy, right, sh- holy shiz nipples. It makes you want to say Batman after it, doesn't it? Holy wow. shiz nipples, Batman. The Joker's going <laughs> to rob Victoria's Secret or something. <laughs> 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 Mr. Holy shiz nipple. You know who I want to hear say it? JR, can you say holy shiz nipples for me? Uh I, you, you, you caught me while I was shredding papers here, and I had my mic turned off. Um, let's see. Well, holy shiz right. nipples, Jr. <laughs> holy shiz nipples. Yeah, bringing the funk. Yeah. I really hope Spencer's not like in the room right now. Require counseling if the boy was in the room, Jr. <laughs> oh, trust me, he's 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 already past the point of needing counseling, but. Uh... <laughs> I was going to ask if you were vacuuming or doing something, because when you first popped up, we heard like this this humming sound. I was like, yeah, no, I mean, I've been going through my mail and some other things, you know, during some lulls, and, you know, you guys were talking, and I, I just sent something through, and then Brad says, oh, by the way, JR, do hold it, you know. Because <laughs> like, I figure, well, they're talking to iTunes reviews, you know, and they're, you know, I'm not going to talk in. And then Brad says, oh, JR, I want you to say holy shiz nipples. I was like, oh. <laughs> Keep it on your toes, Fettinger. Uh The other nice review we had was on December 6th. Uh, Joseph, a Star Wars fan. That's his handle. Uh, he says, great show, five out of five stars. Hey, Brad, this is a great show. Thank you very much. I heard you on Amazing Spider-Man Classics and thought you were great. Just one question. Why did they stop making Amazing Spider-Man Classics? The economy. Yeah, man, cutbacks. It's a bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See other episodes of Spider-Man Crawl Space. So do podcasts. However, the crawl space is a constant. Oh, there you go. There How about go. that? Absolutely. Uh, let's see. We're going to now talk some, uh, news that is not Amazing 700. Um, Don, I'm going to hit you up with this one. I think this, more people saw this picture, uh, that are not Spider-Man fans, and, uh, I, it just made the rounds of Facebook. Uh, 
the White House photographer snapped a, a really cool picture of President Obama around Halloween with one of the White House staff's little boy dressed as Spider-Man. And he's shooting a web at the president. And Obama has his hands in the air like he's just been webbed. It's just a, it's just a really, really neat uh, picture. Nicholas Tamarin, age three, was in the Oval Office. And Aww. President Obama's quoted as saying this is his favorite picture of 2012. <laughs> it helps that he's a Spider-Man fan. So Absolutely. what do you think of this? This was this was blowing up all over Facebook. It's always nice to see somebody who's actually important in this po- that we never talk about in this podcast. Uh, send their love for Spider Man, and uh, I mean, I guess I don't know when this this picture. I guess Halloween, I suppose. So it's even if like uh, after the election, if like twenty twelve. Yeah. So so like I mean, if it, it's always fun, you know, even if like Mitt Romney won the election and he did this, it would still be a cool picture to show like you know they're showing like the support of Spider Man and his young fans and. And that Obama is a is a Spider-Man fan. That actually adds some extra uh, sugar to it. Uh, but it's nice. I mean, it's a nice shot because it looks. It's not like you know he's just dancing or whatever. It looks like the kid really did hit him in the web. I guess cynics could say he caught him doing something bad, but it's it's a funny picture. <laughs> it it uh, whatever your politics are, it's our president, and uh, it's neat. He's playing with a little boy dressed as Spider-Man. As a Spider-Man fan, you gotta go. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. And he, Anybody else? What's your man? I what, I, I thought it was one. It was one of my favorite uh, Obama-related pictures I've seen all yeah. year. I mean, there's been some funny ones. Like there was one that somebody posted where it's it's Obama and a little boy, and he says, "So we're waiting for Sasha to uh, get ready for getting to finish getting ready." Let me tell you about the time I killed Bin Laden. That's that made me laugh. <laughs> but this one actually <laughs> made me laugh even more because even his facial expression fit the picture. You know, he's like, oh. You know, he's got one eye closed and one eye open. I I, I thought it was glorious. Uh, it was a great picture. I agree. JR, what do you think of the picture? Did you, you saw it, Jim? Uh, yeah, I saw the picture. The only thing is, why did uh, Spider-Man waste his web on Obama? Why didn't he go after Joe Biden? Joe Biden looks like a vulture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got away. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Um, Bertoni or Chris, what do you think of the picture? It's just a really cool picture. Well, you know, Obama's favorite picture, you know, he's obviously against DC Comics, you know, and, and shame on him for being against DC Comics. Now, now, he's been taking, he took a picture standing in front of Superman at the, uh, is it Smallville, Illinois? So he, he was standing in front of Superman, so is this Obama trying to tell us that he thinks he's better <laughs> than Superman? <laughs> oh, dear. Really? We have the Mephisto advocate on the line, evidently. <laughs> Chris, what do you think of it when you saw it? Absolutely nothing. Chris it's is cool. Is, uh, <laughs> 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 a bit more. Chris has been having a little technical problems, but we're working it out. Or not. <laughs> Can't hear me? There you are, there you are. What do you think of the Obama picture? It, it's It's pretty cool. All right, I'm moving on. <laughs> and this just proves that J. Jonah Jameson was right. We have Spider-Man breaking into the White House, past you know the Secret Service, webbing the President of the United States. Is there no is end it? to this menace? I wish Doctor Octopus would just kill him and rape his ex-girlfriend already. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. wow, that was a good impression of every cynic on the internet. That was very good, Bertoni. I like that. Uh, let's see. Um, Chris, you've got this one. If I if your connection holds out, 
Uh, it was mm-hmm. recently released that um, Sam Raimi was considering going with the Lizard instead of Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2 back in 2004. And there's been some uh, pictures released of what the Lizard would have looked like uh, going up against Tobey Maguire. So uh, I'll, I'll post this, these pictures on the front page when this episode is released. Um, but what do you think of it, Chris? You've got right. this topic. Am I, am I coming in? Yeah, you can hear, I can hear you fine. Go ahead. Okay, great. Well, let's see. So Sam Raimi was going, thinking about using the lizard, and I guess this um, gentleman by the name of um, Constantine Sekeris, or, or Sekeris, uh drew a couple pictures of the lizard for that potential hypothetical film, and one of them looks like it's more like a little bit more of a sketch-type drawing, and the other one looks more painted or something. And the the one at the top of this website I'm looking at that's more painted, I think it looks a, kind of silly. His neck is a little long, and his face kind of looks like Voldemort. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I actually kind of like the the one at the bottom without the, the one that's just sort of yellowish, not really colored in. I think that looks a little bit more than like what I think of the as the lizard, um, I kind of like the the elongated snout look for the lizard better than the flat faced one that they ended up going with for the movie, um, the Amazing Spider Man movie. But you know, I think I, I think it was a much better decision with, to go with Doc Ock in that movie. I mean, he's the second big, biggest baddie, I think, as opposed to I lizard. thought they were going to do both. Like, I remember, like, I think we talked about it when Amazing Spider-Man revealed that they were going to do The Lizard. But, I mean, they've been rumoring Yeah, this, I agree. Uh, but I thought they were going to do both at one point. Because, I mean, they introduced Kirk Connors. I mean, right. I, don't, I don't see him doing – I don't see Raimi – didn't see Raimi doing that for without a reason. Right. We, I, I think if they kept making Spider-Man movies with Raimi, like uh, Harry Potter movies, I think we'd eventually see The Lizard. I mean, there was right. a build-up. But uh, I, I I actually prefer the one that went with Amazing Spider-Man as opposed to this this image. This one, images. you know, what I was thinking of trying to think of, of of a comic, you know, how what they the two designs look like, and the the design that they ended up going with reminds me more of a Ditko version of of the lizard, whereas this one kind of reminds me more of the McFarlane, yeah. uh, uh, Bagley type, you know, version of yeah. the lizard. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess I, I like that more modern look for the lizard. I mean, modern is in sort of the '90s look with the look more of like a crocodile-like head than the flatter-faced one, to be honest. But maybe that's because that's what they did in the '90s animated series, and so that's what I'm used to. Yep. All right, we've got uh, one book to review this month. <laughs> oh wait, we've done two. Um, a little bit out of order. Six ninety-nine point one. Which, for all intents and purposes, this is like Morbius issue zero or number one, in my opinion. <laughs> if only Kevin was here. If only. if only Kevin. Unfortunately, Kevin had to work today, and uh, uh, Kevin and I were going to uh, record Spider Satellites at a later date, and I'll edit this in. It'll make sense all when it's released. But uh, filling in for our Morbius fan is Zach. <laughs> yeah, fan. yeah. This is this is <laughs> this is a daunting task, I have to say. Yeah, hit, hit me with the little summary, a little pro and con, and a review on this. All one, right, sir. so. Uh, Morbius, uh, this story break starts uh, in 699. Uh, we have a little scene with Morbius and he break uh, and talking with uh, 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 
What do, what do we say we're going to call Peter and Dr. Octopus's body? Peter Puss? Uh, Peter Puss. Peter, Peter Puss. Uh, Peter Puss and, and Morbius have a little bit of exchange. This takes place directly after that. And uh, he's angered because he knows he can cure Doc Ock at, at the time, and he actually tells Doc Ock that, or Peter Puss, excuse me. Uh, but he he doesn't realize, of course, that uh, Peter Puss is Peter Parker and Otto merged into one. So after a conversation with the Lizard, we go back to the, we go into the backstory of Morbius, and this is what the majority of this issue is: is the backstory. Uh, as a child, he's frail. frail. We um, we're introduced to Emil Nikos after Kevin. <coughs> sorry, I mean my Michael breaks out several uh, out uh, of his of his bedroom window. He. Uh, Sneaks out with with uh, Emil and and they actually he breaks several bones in his body. Emil then vows to cure him of his condition. We flash forward to his college days and we see them working together. The Nobel Prize is brought up uh, when they when they make the discovery that they could potentially cure uh, people of of, of Morbius's condition. Uh, finally, we we end up going. They end up going to a yacht and, and Morbius's girlfriend sees them off. Uh, so they start, begin to do animal testing, and, and even though Nikos feels it's unethical, Michael, with his hubris, wants to do the process on him now because he continues to uh, be frail, and he ends up cutting himself with a giant gash with a simple paper cut. Uh, he, we see him transform the living, living vampire and kill Nikos, um, and we flash forward to the present day. Michael wants to go to Horizon Labs, get his cure. Uh, the lizard actually balks at that notion, and saying that it was all his entire cure, cure, his entire cure was used on him, and we know how well that turned out. Right. Uh, so <laughs> Morbius then runs into the night, and uh, it says his story we picked up in Morbius number one. So basically, uh, that's so it's a setup issue. Spider-Man had very little to do with it. Yeah. Um, Kevin's review, and help me, Spider-Panel and Zach, if you can. Yes. Um. I don't remember Michael Morbius being frail as a kid. I don't remember. Is this a new element, or are they rewriting history? Is, that's what Kevin said. Kevin said, and I was actually going to quote, because uh, in my yeah. thoughts, I was going to quote from his review. The one, the last big paragraph in his review was talking about the inconsistencies and continuity. Uh, it, quoting Kevin, Michael Morbius found out about his rare blood disease after he'd already won the Nobel Prize by himself, by the way. It was not shared with Nikos. It was a tragic twist of fate when a Nobel Prize-winning biochemist discovered he had an incurable blood disease and was powerless to do anything about it. He act actually rented the yacht to go out on the water and work in private because he was working on the cure in secret. And who was the secret from? Martine, his girlfriend. Martine, who in this issue walks a deteriorating Michael in onto the yacht as he explains to her that they couldn't do these experiments on land. We later find out because... He's going to do the illegal human tri trials that they aren't ready for. And I can't say why the writer decided to reboot Morbius's entire pre-vampire life, but it doesn't sit too well with Kevin. It's something that I, he doesn't really see grabbing new readers and just annoyed the few of us that are already that are already fans. So that's that's quoting see, Kevin. See, I, I, as a, mainly a Spider-Man fan, but I like Morbius. I didn't know hardly any of that, Correct. That, uh, that he was rewriting history. And I guess if it, if I was as big a fan as Kevin is, I'd be kind of ticked. Right. I mean, is anybody ticked on the panel that they're rewriting Morbius's history? On principle, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The thing is about this book, I mean, we'll hit your pros and cons in a minute, Zach, but it, it's not making me rush out to read it. I, after I read 699.1, I really I was like, eh, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, it was kind of it, yeah. it was very mediocre for me, at least right. as, a, as a as a guy that's completely coming in as, as completely new to the character. I mean, I'm not completely new to the character. Obviously, I remember the days of Plasma from the uh, '90s animated series. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I was trying really hard as to be able to play that sound clip today, but I couldn't figure out a way to exactly i mean so my 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 exposing of morbius has has been has been exposure to morbius has been through that don't expose yourself to morbius might suck you (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Um, i'm sorry (laughs) but what's your pros what what did you like about the issue the artwork I did. I yeah, particularly that. loved the artwork in the first two uh, pages specifically. I thought it was very well done, but the artwork throughout the book was very moody and very dark, and it kind of fits the tone of the story because it's not a it's a very unhappy story. Um, no. My biggest con, though, is that why are we doing this in the middle of the major status quo change of Spider Man? I mean, because it sell better, the sell the Morbius book better. I mean, that's the obvious answer, right? But it's it, it just kills all the momentum that you had going in. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's just a little side story to sell another book. That's what it is. Should have been issue one of Morbius. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, but yeah, well, you need they did it successfully with with uh, Venom's launch. Venom's launch has gone longer than anybody predicted. I thought. It's the longest-running Venom series of all time. Right, I mean, and at almost... Trying the formula with Morbius now, so I understand, I get it. Well, and yeah. and they did the same thing with... Well, they didn't quite do the same thing with Scarlet Spider. They spun off of Spider Island, but they did the point one, like Marvel's point one issue with Scarlet Spider. And right. now that's in, I believe, March? Or, or February or March, it'll be, the long, it'll be the most issues with the name Scarlet Spider on them. Uh, yeah, what would your grade be on this one? I give it a I give it a C plus. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. I mean, but really, the continuity issues are probably the things that brought it down the most. Yeah. Open it up to the panel. What do you guys think of this issue? I uh, I took away from this. This is a solid, like you know, retelling of his origin, as far as I'm aware. Because again, aside from uh, Nick Jameson's awesome Morbius in the '90s series, I am kind of unfamiliar with the character besides Maximum Carnage and some other comics. Um, on principle, I don't like like when I was reading Kevin's review. I was talking about the retcons. I, I even though I'm not a lover of Morbius, so to speak, I don't like the retcons. It's like why do you can't, why can't you just use the actual storylines? But that doesn't. I can't pretend that that actually makes me mad. It's just it just is kind of a negative. But I, it's, it's either here or there because I'm not sure how that pluses the storyline. But I agree with Zach. I, I, I pros. I like the art. Uh, I thought that the dialogue was pretty good. It wasn't. It could it could have been bad, but it wasn't. I suppose. I don't have too many cons, but I didn't love the issue. But I would just give it a straight B. Uh, Jr., did you pick it up? No, I didn't pick it up. I just thought right. it, was, it was Marvel's way of making making me pay for an advertisement for a magazine I'll never buy. Yeah. <laughs> are Are you familiar with Morbius's origin like that? I mean, when, uh, uh, how, how how steeped are you in the besides Amazing One Hundred One, <laughs> which you didn't like? Uh, well, uh, didn't he get eaten by sharks? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll never forget that. Yeah, it was like you know, he, he was he was on a cruise ship or whatever, and and decided oh. to take a swim and got eaten by sharks. Um, I'm not. All I remember is the way the story was told, and I think what amazing 101 or 102 or whatever. So I, I I don't know what they did, and I have no opinion. 
Is there a supporting character of Spider-Man that you'd pick up? Because I don't think you get Venom or Scarlet, do you? Osborne. No. 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 Would it be? Would it have to be Norman? Is that the only probably character? Probably. Yeah. Because it is a it is a costly adventure to yeah. collect spider satellites. <laughs> so I mean, I'm uh, not I'm not dissing Morbius as a character, but I mean, it's like yeah. Amazing Spider-Man six ninety nine point one. You know, I mean, and and it was it was said earlier here. It is right in the middle of a major major uh, event in the life of Spider-Man, and basically we have this 22-page ad that, that you're paying $4 for. So. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's a better... Think of it as a marketing ca- campaign. Spider-Man's as hot as it's ever been in a long time. Why don't we try to launch a new book out of it? Well, fine, but don't make me pay $4 for your advertisement, for your well, marketing. I'm not paying... I mean, you know, when Coca-Cola wants to advertise during the Super Bowl, do they make me pay $2 million, you know, to watch a Coke <laughs> ad? No. In in defense of Marvel, this book was two ninety nine. Well, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter if you want to promote Morbius, put him you know, add, add him as a, a ten to sixteen page supplement at the end of a regular issue of Amazing Spider Man. You know, don't go make everybody go buy a separate issue just to complete their collection and slip them an advertisement instead. Right. Ooh, Jr's on fire. Jr like is, is angry. <laughs> burn, baby, burn like a disco inferno. I love it. <laughs> uh, just Josh. Marvel sometimes just absolutely friggin' sick of them. So anyway, I know. Josh, did you pick it up? What'd you think? Yeah, I, I picked it up. It's it's a commercial for Morbius, like everyone else said, and it's not even. It, this could have been written at any time without, you know, 700 in mind, and then because the the art at, in the framing sequence is different from the art in the actual story, so it's like they could have taken this story and say, oh, and put something in here before and afterwards about, you know, about about this whole, you know, prison breakout thing and the whole um, Spock and Peter Puss adventures. I I honestly didn't dig it too much, and it felt like a very very quick read. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And, and nothing really um, happens in it. I I know. <laughs> and and the other point one issues. You see, I like the Flash Thompson one because at least the you know Flash Thompson is more of a is a bigger part of the Spider Man universe, and and Peter actually you know did actually Peter was only in like two panels of that one. Come to think of it talking to Mary Jane, now that I remember. But the the last one, that was an actual Spider-Man story, and we learned more about, you know, like, Awatu Jackson, you know, and uh, Horizon Labs. This was this was a pilot for Morbius. This was Morbius point one. I agree. Uh, Chris, did you like it? Did you pick it up? I, I picked it up. Um, yeah. Man, I, I wish I didn't now after I've read it. Um, Ooh. And, and uh, not that it was terrible, but it's just like a rehash of Morbius's origin. And in the middle of this Doc Ock story in Spider-Man where everything's, you know, falling apart for Spider-Man, he's going to die and Doc Ock's going to take over his life. The last thing that I that I um, care about is, about is Morbius's <laughs> childhood and like, yeah. spending a whole, like, <laughs> ma- making, making a, an, a whole other trip to the comic book store. Um, for just for that, and you know, I, I my I have read like the 100 to 102 or whatever that story arc was that did Morbius's yeah. origin the first time, and my memories of it are a little cloudy. But 
Mine too. Um, so I'll take uh, Kevin's word for it when he says that it's it's changing things and screwing with things. I, I don't care that much about the integrity of Morbius's history. If if I was a bigger Morbius fan, I probably would. But to me, I don't really like issues that are sort of taking something that it was just a few pages from the 60s or 70s and blowing it up into like a full issue story. I think that it just it's sort of a rehash and I, I get why they do it, but it's not it's this kind of issue and issues that are just retrospectives that I don't really like that much. They're not adding much new. I I think if you were going to sell me on a new Morbius series, the yeah. the the premise of the issue should be what is the new status quo for Morbius that is so exciting that I have to go and add another monthly title to my you know See, to my that, docket and I I didn't get any of that. I have no idea what kind of, I guess like according to Kevin's reviews he's saving homeless people or getting saved by homeless people or whatever and I, I don't know. I'm just not <laughs> I'm just not you know the the proof in the pudding is that I am not buying Morbius number one, and that's really all there needs to be said. That, that is my biggest con of the issue. It doesn't make me want to run out and get the next the Morbius title. And I I think am I the only one on the panel right now that's going to be buying the Morbius title besides Kevin? Is anybody going to pick it up after this one? I bought it and I read it. I I have I will buy it uh, because of Kevin. I mean, I, I haven't read. Don't do spoilers yet, but I, I haven't read Morbius one. Is it better or worse? I read his, I read Kevin's review and he was disappointed with it, which I was kind of yeah, I Kevin was trying so hard to be nice in his review. I sent him a text message and he, <laughs> you could tell he's really trying. And the other con I had it. This cover made me remember. It, it, it was. I thought it was almost like an homage to uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number thirty-eight. Mayhem is the man called Morbius. Exactly. I, I was just like, that looks so much like the other he one. He dropped Spider-Man in that one, as opposed to the yeah, other Yeah, it's like, maybe this is the, the, the scene before he drops him off that castle. Something. There was a topic on a, on another Marcy board that I frequent, which I didn't contribute to, but like someone asked, actually asked, what's the inherent appeal of Morbius? And I really wish Kevin was on here, because I, I mean, I have, I have neutral feelings towards the guy, but um, the fact that Marvel feels confident enough in Morbius to try a uh, a title with him, and like Chris said, there's nothing inherently different about his status quo. Is an interesting question, I think. So it would be the, uh, the thing is, I, I liked Morbius's solo series in the '90s. I thought it was solid. I thought it was the best of the Midnight Suns. Uh, if there, if Mar Marvel is trying a little bit late, in my opinion, trying to ride the vampire bandwagon with Twilight and all that stuff. I mean, vampires are hot. Zombies are passing them, but uh, <laughs> yeah. vampires are hot. They they come in phases, I think. Morbius isn't. Uh, I think it's interesting though because Morbius is a, a lot more of a uh, Nosferatu-esque old school vampire who looks ugly and has white skin, as opposed to a dashing, you know, handsome dude that you could find on the CW or True Blood <laughs> or your local movie theater. Right. Gotcha. All right. Uh, let's do our special segments now. Uh, Bertoni, Bertoni Bios. Who are we tackling today, sir? We are tackling Timothy Harrison. <laughs> and, uh, the kid who collected Spider-Man. The kid who collected Spider-Man. And 
believe it or not, uh, there's there's a little more history to him based on recent events beyond this one story. But uh, he's on the cover to uh, Amazing Spider-Man 248, showing Spider-Man a picture of him fighting a member of the Wrecking Crew, which actually, that's, that's the main story. Because the Timothy Harrison thing, it's actually a backup story. Um, Spider-Man visits this kid who, uh, most of you have heard the story by now, but, you know, for exposition purposes, Spider-Man, you know, goes into a little boy's bedroom while he's in his pajamas late at night and visits him and tells him not to tell him. That sounds so sketchy when you set it up like that. (laughs) It it, it really is. And he even says to him at the end, like, never tell anyone I was here. And it's like, wow. And he, like, he picks up the kid's bed and everything. But it's actually a nice story. It's not as skeezy as it sounds. And throughout the story, um, you read... Read excerpts of a newspaper article that Jacob uh, Canaver did. Jacob Canaver used to be a supporting character at the Daily Bugle. I always thought he looked like a homeless man, especially in his Bugle-like <laughs> column picture. That always <laughs> bugged me. Uh, he, he was always so sketchy. Like They like almost made him out to be a serial killer in Hobgoblin Lives. But he, he would do human interest pieces. And Oh, didn't he turn out... In fact, he did turn out to be a villain. Uh, JR, wasn't he the second Rose? Yes. Uh, oh. He was the third Rose, actually. He was right, right. I forgot about the blood rose. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He was was the rose. Yeah, uh, the blood rose was a different uh, identity that Richard Fist took. the The second rose was a detective, (laughs) and so Jacob Conover was the third rose. I had no idea Conover was ever a bad guy. Yeah, he was uh, revealed during the 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 Devalco run. Is he dead? Uh, Yeah. No, he he just like sulked off, like 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 literally sulked. Oh, I thought you said soaped. I'm like, what? He had a bath? <laughs> <laughs> no, he That's soaked wild. off. Okay. Um, so, is, is Richard Fist dead, by the way, the first roast? Yes. Um, him, right? Yeah, right, right. Vanessa Fist killed him, and she died too. Yeah. When was that? I, that I, was I remember Vanessa that. was Daredevil run, I believe. Yeah. He killed off screen. Okay, got it. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Back to Tim Harrison. Okay, yeah, so uh, Spider-Man is showing him, I don't have to say Peter Puss anymore, Uh, uh, they're looking at different articles, and he explains his origin to him, but, you know, leaving out the details of his secret identity, and even when he says about his uncle dying, he says, uh, people who meant the world to me, and, uh, and an old man lost his life. And at the end, you know, he's like, all right, I got to go. Never tell anyone to see her. And Tim says, please, can you please tell me who you really are? And he says, you know, I can't do that. And this is actually uh, there, there's a panel where Spider-Man looks at the window, turns around, takes off his mask and says, Tim, my name is Peter Parker. I took most of the photos that go with the articles you saved. And this, yeah. that's actually the first time he ever willingly uh, – retcons aside, like Untold Tales and stuff like that, he ever willingly took off his mask and revealed his identity, um, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm not counting Gwen Stacy's birthday party. And in fact, uh, he, did <laughs> <laughs> he did it to Felicia a few months later, and a letter writer said – because he tells Felicia, you're the first person I've ever told this to. And a letter writer's like, ah, oh, but he told it to Tim Harrison a few months ago. And then uh, – the editor said at the time, yes, but remember, he said that that was between him and Tim, so of course he's not going to tell Felicia. Well, the punch in the gut at the end of the story is he's saying, don't worry, Spider-Man, I'll keep your secret for the rest of my life. And Spider-Man swings away, and you see that it's called the Slocum Brewer Cancer Clinic. And then you see the rest of Jacob Conover's article, and he basically reveals that Tim Harrison's dying of leukemia, and he hopes that Spider-Man will come to visit him. So... That's that. And then... Um, Roger Stern, Ron Friends story. Roger Stern, Ron Friends. 
And yeah. some people have, like, even – I've seen people on message boards say, ah, oh, but we never saw Tim die. You know, what if he becomes a supervillain and he knows Spider-Man's secret identity? But we do find out that he died retroactively because – and it took me a while to find this because I was flipping through this at, in one of my old LCSs years ago, but I always forgot what issue it is. It's Spider-Man. He's visiting a children's hospital on Christmas Eve, and him and Jameson are trying to one-up each other. And all these kids are, you know, telling stories about why Spider-Man's a hero. And one of the kids, it's Timothy Harrison's brother. His name is, what was the kid's name? Oh, I got it. Uh, It's the Marvel Holiday Special from 1991. And Tim Harrison's brother is Joey. Joey Harris, yeah. Yeah. I, I found that recently when I was researching this. I was looking up the Marvel Holiday Specials, and I found it, and... Uh, he shows Jameson the scrapbook, and he talks about the visit that Spider-Man had to his brother, and then he reveals that, yes, you know, Tim Harrison is dead. Which, by the way, you know, what I got from that was, wait a second, Tim was never supposed to tell anyone about the visit, but... Uh, oh! <laughs> he told his brother, it's fine, and it's, it, it's you know, his brother has... Before I die, I must let you know one thing. He says one... Peter Parker is Dr. Octopus! <laughs> Joey Harrison, he'll be, yeah, he'll appear in Superior Spider-Man. He says, one night, Spider-Man came to visit my brother, talked to him, treated him like a real fan, no publicity, no money, no glory, just a real person doing a real kindness for a kid who was terminally ill. Tim died feeling he achieved his life's goal, meeting his hero, becoming his friend. And the next uh, Timothy Harrison-related thing that happened was the most ridiculous, Ridiculous two-parter in the, <laughs> in the 90s now. Spider-Man show. They adapted the kid who collected Spider-Man, but they combined it with um, a Silver Age yep. story where Dr. Octopus <laughs> uh, and Spider-Man become partners in crime with amnesia. <laughs> Timothy Harrison's a girl named uh, Taina. I forget her last name, but it, it was a Hispanic last name. And uh, it, it, it's basically the same type of story, but... At one point, Spider-Man's like, well, i got to go fight Dr. Octopus. And the little girl says, wait, take me with you. And he says, okay. Actually, no, he doesn't go off the – he does go off the fight Dr. Octopus. But at first, he, he just thinks he's taking her to swing around the city. So he abducts this child from a children's <laughs> hospital without telling anyone. Like, what if a nurse came in the middle of the night? And he's not swinging her through a residential neighborhood. He's going on, like, skyscrapers, you know? And, like, this girl could fall to her death at any minute. I mean, I guess she's dying anyway, but jeez. It's, and, and a, you know, she teams up with a Rasta cabbie named the Mouse. And it was awful, awful, awful. I know, I know. The it's, Mouse, baby. The, the Mousey, the Mousey was saved by Spider-Man. God. The Octopus, we got to save Spider-Man from the Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> the worst two episodes of the series ever. It's like, how could you take the kid who collected the Spider-Man? And the kid who collected Spider-Man is one of the best stories of all time, and they just ruined it in the 90s. With the mousy. And like, With the mousy. The mousy. origin is like weird in that. He's like telling his origin. He's like, then, I turned into a real spider, and Aunt May flushed me down the sink, and then the arm attacked me. But don't worry, it was all a dream. The rare prince of Liz Allen in that episode. Yeah, yeah, so, Liz Allen in there. It's oh, now, but the reason that you you're attacking Tim Harris is a uh, mask for her, and there is a Timmy mentioned in that episode. She says Timmy says that you came from another planet. Well, anyway, when they released the preview for issue seven hundred, Timothy Harrison was called Tim Hammond, and immediately, right. like, 
I'm like, that's Harrison, but I checked, I googled Tim Hammond just in case, and to my surprise, on Wikipedia, and I don't know if it's been changed, but on Wikipedia, he's known as Tim Hammond. And then I checked Marvel.com, because Marvel.com, when Slot did that uh, 6, what is it, 655, where like where he had that dream and everyone's dead and Marla Madison's there, and she says, I created Spider Slayers, they have like a, a, an index to who all those people are. And on Marvel.com, he's also called Timothy Hammond. So I had to like go back and check the original issue. I'm like, okay, he's Harrison, but somehow like this Hammond thing got onto Wikipedia, got onto 655, and was very close to going into uh, 700. I did send Wacker an email saying like the day that the preview came out, and I sent one the slot as well. Now I'm not going to pretend that it changed because of me, because if I noticed it, I'm sure like 20 or other people noticed it that day. They probably got flooded with emails. Luckily, it was changed, but if it wasn't, I would have been very, very upset because oh. that's a, that is such a dumb error. And at one point, Slot said on Twitter, all future editions will have it uh, corrected. And I'm like, future editions? They couldn't change it in time? Call about uh, Nicholas Hammond, who played Spider-Man in the 70s live-action show. What, right. right. And, I, and my favorite one was when he said it was a gaff, but misspelled gaff twice. When somebody actually brought that up, I was like, who writes for a living amongst this amongst uh, I'm, these people? I'm not the best speller either, so I'm yeah. not even going to c- criticize on that at but all. He, it's almost he like writes not, for... I don't know. It, it, I was going to say, it's almost <laughs> like not being able to pronounce articulate. Oh! And a slack slam. Well played. Well played. <laughs> it, took, it took, like, what, three hours for somebody, or two hours to, for somebody to kick me in the junk, proverbially? That's good. Yeah, we're slacking <laughs> off today. I know, right? Yeah. Got it. Tim Harrison, good character, one or two oh, appearances. Yeah, yeah, I mean his legacy. I mean, people are still chasing that story, and there was well, it proves. I mean that the backups can be literally amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what was what was that one title? Uh, it was like 2004. It wasn't Tangled Web. It was like Web Spinners or no, not Web Spinners. Oh, this is killing me. But but there was another title, and like in its first issue, it say what. Spider-Man Extra? No, not Extra. It was the it had that Marvel it had that story which I love, which was called Slide into Destiny, where like the obscure villain Slide returns and he's going through a midlife crisis and Spider-Man doesn't remember him. But one of the stories in that issue was um, Spider-Man visiting a sick kid and taking off his mask for her. And I remember at the time everyone was saying this is just a retread of Timothy Harrison. So they've been chasing that. this story ever since. Yeah. I, Spider-Man I think that was limited. Yeah. Spider-Man Unlimited number one from 2004. Is yeah. what you wasn't that like a um, where they were soliciting stories from the public or something? So it wasn't a. Um, I don't think it was a regular tale written in continuity. It, was uh, I think those were actually stories submitted by people outside the regular writing staff. Oh really? Yeah, I think that's. I, I remember. I remember like buying it. it. Yeah. Uh, who who are you are you looking at for uh, next month, uh, Bertoni? Let's see Anybody? what happens. Maybe uh, maybe the Mousy will show up in Superior Spider-Man <laughs> number one. <laughs> the Mousy in the Octopus. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I rewatched that this morning just so I could like oh, get all my man. Timothy Harrison ducks in a row, and I'm like, God, this, this, this is horrible. The um, they actually they they never really have released the '90s Spider-Man on DVD, but they've released episodes. It's on Netflix. Yeah, no. and, I know, but they haven't released the DVDs of it. And, and they released that one. Uh, when the first Spider-Man movie came out, and I bought it, and I, I remember buying it. Much to like, your insult. 
because I was in college when the 90s show came out, and I really, when I'm in college, I'm not getting up at 10 a.m. to watch Fox. I mean, <laughs> I mean, or 9 a.m. It always bothered me that Spider-Man, like, takes this little girl swinging on skyscrapers, and, like, I mean, maybe you can you can say that he left a note in case someone came in there, but that's this little girl's going to be missing. Abduction. Someone's, someone's going to notice her. Abduction. And she defeats Dr. Octopus. She puts on the helmet and, like, wraps Mother of Mercy, Octopus defeated by a child! <laughs> this exact dialogue. This is before Amber Alerts. We have... <laughs> oh, okay, you, you oh, yeah, say yeah, he yeah. left a note. What does it say? Uh, abduction courtesy of the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah. Don't don't worry about your daughter. She's three she's three hundred fl- floors in the air swinging with me. <laughs> exactly. We we got this. All right. Good job, Bertoni, as usual. Thanks. All right. Let's uh, tackle this month in Spider history. JR, we're going a year before the Timothy Harrison story. We're going January 1983. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number uh, 236 was released by two of my favorites, Roger Stern and John Romita Jr. Story titled Death Neil and Spider-Man is fighting the Death Tarantula. <laughs> Jr. Speechless with my setup. No, the uh, that you uh, you your voice went out, uh, and uh, I didn't did? hear what you said. I just heard you say the death tarantula, and then you went you went blank. I know. I was waiting for you to hop in. Oh, oh yeah, you, of course. Death deal. <laughs> Tell me about this one, Jr. I remember getting this off the spinner rack. Yeah, the, this gruesome slobbering tarantula. Well, this uh, this uh, tarantula is actually uh, what. It was the original tarantula, uh, who was a South American terrorist, introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number 134, which happened to be my first issue of Amazing Spider-Man off the spinner rack, uh, or at least the first when I started collecting permanently. And uh, this actually, number 236, is the very last part of a four-part tale. Uh, it's not a, it's not the most remarkable story, but it's a readable one. Um, and the thing is, this is mostly the ending. So the previous three issues were the setup, which I'll try to go through quickly. Basically, uh, Ned Leeds and the Daily Bugle are trying to do an expose of the the evil brand corporation, which you know because this is um, you know because you know this is uh, written by liberals, all corporations are evil. Uh, and the Evil Brand Corporation is, of course, a subsidiary of the Evil Rocks on Oil Corporation. And in previous issues, we learned that the informant knows Norton, and the reason he's called Nose is he has a big nose. So he's called Nose Norton, and he has inform- he's a snitch who is going to give Ned Leeds and the Daily Bugle valuable information for their expose of Brand. And he disappeared, and the, the the corporation decided to hire the tarantula to kill him. Well, you know, uh, Ben Eric and uh, Peter Parker track down Nose, and tarantula tracks down Nose as well. Peter changes to Spider-Man and beats the crap out of the tarantula, breaking his ribs. Uh, the next issue, the uh, tarantula lying there all messed up. The brand corporation shows up and says, "Boy, you know what? You look pretty messed up. Uh, you know what? What? How? Why don't we just drop you in a vat of of dangerous chemicals that you ha- that we have no idea what'll do to you, and uh, you'll be able to uh, take on Spider-Man after that? You know." And so he goes, "See," 
And, um, <laughs> you know, and so basically that's what happens. You know, they dropping him in a vat of chemicals and, and he starts, you know, turning into a real tarantula. Well, another plot going on at exactly the same time is our old friend, the will of the wisp oh, yes. shows up. And of course the will of the wisp originally debuted in amazing Spider-Man number 166. He was a villain at that time, but now he is just merely misunderstood. Uh, this is another villain that Roger Stern gave a name to. I think his the name he gave was Jackson Arvad, uh, which I, I guess another will of the no wonder he called himself Will of the Wisp. Uh, that sounds a lot better, but um, you know. Uh, so uh, and it turned out that uh, the, the Wisp had been a, an electromagnetic engineer for Brand, who was worked till he so hard he fell asleep at his panel and his head crashed into his panel and you know juiced him full of electricity and the brand started working on him and he became immaterial and became the will of the west but now he's out for revenge okay so he wants to kill the guy who's running brand so then 236 uh, you know all these subplots come together uh spider-man convinces the will of the wisp that he really shouldn't kill this guy um and the tarantula uh, is fighting the Wisp and Spider-Man, and then all of a sudden realizes that he's no longer human. He's got eight legs, uh, and he jumps off a building. The police put a bunch of bullets in him, and he goes splat. And uh, <laughs> and that's literally what happens. He goes splat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, during this time, we also find out that the expose on the evil brand corporation uh, has been nixed by the Bugle because the Justice Department wanted him to nix it. Roxon says that Brand is now shut down because we had no idea they were doing all this kind of evil horse shit, and the story <laughs> ends. So, you know, it, it's not a bad story, but it's it's very pedestrian. I mean, it was Roger Stern, and when Roger Stern is pedestrian, Roger Stern is still better than... You know, exactly. several other people, but it, it was it was it was it was an interesting story. It was a good story, but uh, it 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 it's mostly it's, remarkable it's, for the fact I think that it's again it's an early uh, John Romita Jr. Um, art, and uh, as you can tell, I mean, you know, you look at Romita over the years. This is not classic Romita that we're familiar with. This is actually a, a very different one. As we kind of this is before things became darker and blockier. I I like this early Romita Jr. stuff. Do you like it? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I like his stuff, current stuff, better. Um, but uh, but for the '80s, I mean, oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, yeah. And this is, uh, I forget when, when Stern specifically took over Amazing, but he'd come off of a, a uh, spectacular run. Yeah, he took and over at about two twenty four. So he'd been into his Amazing run in about, for about a year. Yeah, and he he two more issues. We hit the Hobgoblin, yep. which is the peak, I think. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely remember this um, quite well off the spinner rack. Also, that came out this month, uh, Marvel Team-Up uh, 125, featuring Spider-Man and Tigra, written by J.M.D. Mateus. Look at that. Really? Yep. That early, huh? Yep. Huh. Artist, uh, Carrie Gamble. The, uh, actually, it's a two-parter, and it's got Doctor Strange and... No, no, it's not uh, yeah. harder, but there's there's a separate there's story. Two yeah, so the original like Spider-Man Tigra story is only about sixteen pages. So, right. Yesterday and today, this one is called, and uh, take me through this one. Well, this could also be known as J M D Mateus Go Slumming, uh, because this <laughs> is uh, this is this is this is far below his his usual work. I know it's probably early, but. Uh, 
this this is pretty below it. In fact, since this reminds me, since this is a Spider-Man Tigra ride um, a story, I think I should probably say that uh, you know started out by saying that. Tigra, when she saw Spider-Man's lean, supple frame, start her fur oh, starting wet. Oh, in, no. <laughs> in many other places. And she walked up to him and she said, Oh, you know, it's so nice to see your skinny, scrawny bod here. You know, I mean, big muscular guys like Thor and Hercules don't do it for me. It's only, you know, only overdeveloped nerds do it for me. And anyway, so... Okay. In case you're wondering what Jr. is referencing, that is from several podcasts ago. How the Civil War prose novel—that's how they they retcon Spider-Man that he's a single guy, and Tigra hits on him in, in the Civil War prose novel. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 like and it was just ago. written very badly. I mean, that that was kind of the thing. It was. I almost I almost ordered that prose novel. It's 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 coming out in paperback for like six or seven bucks. I mean, it really did sound like. I mean, it made Larry Lieber look like a um, award-winning novelist. Um, <laughs> you know, I noticed. Uh, Ramita, speaking of Romina Junior, he did the cover of this one too. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is J.R. J.R. I'll be darned. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this story, unfortunately, is not nearly as interesting as that uh, that fan fiction would have been. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, how do I start? Tigra is hurrying. She's be she, she's been hired to be a spokesman for the Quickie Burger franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Because you want a chick with a lot of fur. You want a chick who gets a lot of fur in her in her meal, you know. <laughs> oh no, my bur- uh, it, <laughs> You know, and, and so she's hurrying, and she interrupts these punks about to attack a cop, uh, and she dr- drives him away, and she plants a kiss on the cop because he reminds her of her dead husband. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah, you know, kind of like, you know, Spider-Man wanting to talk to Jill Stacy about, you know, because you remind me of your dead cousin or something. I don't know. No, maybe it's not an analysis, <laughs> but it was still was kind of creepy. She goes, oh, gee, why did I kiss the guy? Oh, I know why, because he reminds me of my dead husband, Bill. Uh, <laughs> oh, Bill. And, uh, yeah, if, uh, th- now, th- this Bill is not Flash Thompson's brother-in-law. Okay, so oh. <laughs> anyway, so so Tiger so Tiger shows up at the Quickie Burger offices to do her commercial, uh, no, and uh, and meets and meets Mr. Bicky. Can you man huh? the the campaign? Let's go get a Quickie, and the guy's talking about a burger. Oh. I mean that that's just as wrong. Yeah, yeah. in and it, out very quickly. The in and out burger. There you go. <laughs> Well, Tiger really oh. just want to do these. She she actually then became a spokesman for Five Guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, some guys that have this. They are for the win. <laughs> Which Norman Osborn likes Five Guys burgers too. <laughs> However, I mean if you read Dark Avengers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Tiger shows up at the quickie. <laughs> at she the quickie. Uh, the, all the boys to the yard. <laughs> <laughs> Brad started everything sexual. Well, she's eating the quickie burger. I mean, good lord! You know, I, I just remembered. You know, when I was doing the whole uh, the tigra and her wet fur uh, thing, and Brad was explaining what Jr. means. You know, I'm trying to think how many times have I said something, and then Brad says, "Well, what Jr. is meaning or referencing is." I mean, it almost sounds like he's explaining away a mentally ill sibling or something. You know. <laughs> 
Well, let's say I was really referring to maybe someone's first show, and they're like, what the hell is JR talking about, about a a supple Spider-Man? I don't know. Anyway, go back to Well, so so anyway, she shows up at the Quickie Burger offices and meets Mr. Bicky. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Bicky at the Quickie? Is that a song title for you? That's the same. And... uh, Love Demetrius, but damn. And she said, and he says, "Okay, let's get you into makeup, and then introduce you to your co-star." Okay, first of all, let's get you into makeup. How the hell do you make up a woman covered with fur? I mean, honestly, what do you do? Spray revolution on her so the fleas don't come, or? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Lord. <laughs> just what the heck? I what the heck Marvel do you do? Review so much. <laughs> anyway, so then all of a sudden, it's Spider-Man's her co-star, you know, and she's offended because she thought she was doing this on her own and she didn't have to share the spotlight. And of course, Spider-Man, you know, introduces himself. Uh, you know, make, he he uh, he uh, does well for himself by saying, "Yeah, you heard the man, Tabby." Tabby. Oh so, no. So so she gripes and. Uh, and, uh, you know, Spider-Man says, you know what? I don't need this shit. I'm leaving. And he does. <laughs> uh, the issues are done. I'm out. <laughs> and then Spider-Man says, well, at least I got, as he swings away, at least I got to see Tigra again. I never noticed before, but she's a full-fledged knockout. Uh, oh, man. Oh, my God. I'm, th- I'm thinking, you know what? I, I guess if you're, I mean, I guess if you're into women that you don't have to be particular, if you want a mouthful of fur and you're not particular about where you, you know, I guess, yeah, she's... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's the only advantage. That's the only advantage I can see to doing it with t- Tiger. Can you imagine making out with a chick with a butt? Never mind. Uh, that's, just, it's, anyway, that's going to t- from t- place. Tiger yeah. does her commercial, and then like as he's leaving, Spider-Man's there because he's flirting with her. Oh no! I mean, it's like he says, uh, you know, she says, if you're coming back to ask Bicky for your for your job back, <laughs> forget that we're finished shooting. <laughs> And Spider-Man, you know, being the mature adult he is, says, shooting, schmooting, it's you I want to talk to. Now, remember, this is J.N.D. Mateus, one of the most celebrated, you know, the guy who did Craven's Last Hunt and all those other things. And so, anyway, but but yes, he comes up with dialogue called shooting, schmooting. Um, Anyway, it's you I want to talk to because I think we can make beautiful music together. Tigra says, I don't play any instruments. Uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man says, "Well, I've got a long flute. I want to show you then." But no, oh no, 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 seriously, no, no. He, no, he says something even better. Then how about a nice dinner followed by some cozy snuggling in a web hammock made for two? Oh, holy cow! Tigra says she has a, she has another date. Okay. <sighs> I, and I'm only on page six. Okay. Marvel team up the best. So Tiger is out meeting her policeman guy for a date. And uh, his name is Carl Kronsky. Uh, so we've got Mr. Bicky and we've got Carl Kronsky. And family, family. Uh, all we need now is Grady, Grady Strunk or whatever from... from Grady Strunk. Yeah. I don't want no scrubs. Um, anyway. <laughs> So so anyway, so they're going to dinner, and Tigra is leaning on the cop and purring. I mean, she literally is purring. She go, and and uh, <laughs> he says, were you always like this, or just since you grew fur? Uh, <laughs> That's something you don't ever want to say on the first date. <laughs> oh, I mean, this is, 
you're not far off the mark, Carl. When I was married, I was as demure and unliberated a lady as you could find. I suppressed my personal dreams and desires and concentrated on making my husband happy. You know, and it's Jean, I, I, that's a, from the book. The, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is from the book exactly. Uh, th- and this is 1983. You know, anyway. Uh, but yeah. but then Zabo breaks in. <laughs> okay, tell me about Zabo. That's the antagonist. Zabo is bald. Which, you know, I you know all bald guys are evil. I mean, all you got to do, you know, I mean, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, look at the Kingpin. Look at you know Brian Michael Douglas. Uh, look at most uh, Brian Michael Douglas. Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, most of the roles that Telly Savalas has played. Uh, you know, some unnamed reporter from Joplin, Missouri. Uh, <laughs> But, who lives in the dumbest state in the nation, according uh, yeah. to Jay? Who, who hangs out with uh, Senator Aiken and, uh, and uh, over over and has has a toast over Mel Carnahan's grave? But anyway, yeah. uh, so Zabo breaks in, okay? And Zabo, one of the requirements of being a big brutish guy is that you always refer to yourself in the third person. Uh, she goes, you know, who the heck are you? And then she goes, oh, it's Zabo. And Zabo says, you remember? Good. That makes Zabo happy. So, you know, it's like, wait a minute, why on the comic books, why do these guys always talk in the third person? Because do you ever hear Jesse Ventura, you know, um, join Jesse on conspiracy theory or or vote Jesse for, I don't know. But, you know, do you hear Dwayne The Rock Johnson say, you know, well, The Rock went into a, I know, whatever. So, but anyway, all these guys talk in the third person. Mercy. So... Uh, we get it. What does Zabo want? What, well, that's good. well, I'm just about to get it to that. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking in the window here to see if you're saying Jr. Hurry it up yet, and I haven't seen it so far. So. <laughs> no. I'm, uh, anyway, anyway, what happened was Zabo was there at the cre- at Tiger's creation because if okay. you recall, when Marvel was trying to uh, appeal to a female audience. And you know that Marvel is always good at a, you know appealing to a female audience when they create characters who start out as demure and only want to you know make their husbands happy, um, and you know or or you know strong independent women like Betty Brant and uh, Gwen Stacy who I just you know recently learned that not only can Bertoni do Betty Brant's crying blue 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 but he also does these great Gwen Stacy sobs. Um, oh, yeah, I heard. Yeah, the sobs are very good. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. There it is, there it is. <laughs> Zabo's brother, who whose name was Mal Donobane, uh, good man, God, man. Which good God. Is must be an you know, he must be an anagram for Montalban or something like that, you know. Mal Donobane was the guy behind Mal the Donobane. Oh, good lord. He was the guy who funded Dr. Tumalo's experience or experiments that turned Greer Nelson, who had originally been a female hero known as the Cat. Okay, not to be confused with Patsy, uh, see, Patsy Walker, who was Hellcat. Uh, not to be confused with that Hispanic chick in the 90s who was Nightcat. Uh, or Felicia Hardy, who was Nightcat. the Black Cat. Uh, she was the Cat. Anyway, and then she was turned by Dr. Tomorrow's experiment, which was funded by Mal Donobane, into Tigra. Okay. Spider-Man comes and attacks Zabo, uh, and he says, don't fret, Tigra, my love. Spidey's coming to save the day. Uh, you know, we have, we have your requisite fight, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tigra is able to get through to Zabo. You know, Zabo, your brother was a scumbag. You don't really want to do this, do you? Uh, you know, you don't want to ruin your life. And, Zabo, <laughs> and then Zabo starts crying and leaves. 
He sounds like a lost Marx brother. Well, you know, I was wondering if he's related. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. Well, no, that was... Harpo, Hippo, Zabo, Zabo, you know. Gummo, Zeppo. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I actually was thinking he might be related to uh, Kazar's tiger. <laughs> that's Zabu, isn't it? Oh, Zabu. Oh. Zabu. All right. Oh. So, anyway, you know, she, she, she uh, you know, uh, talks, to, talks Zabo out of killing her, and he runs away crying. And... And Doctor Strange story and, any and good? Scarlet Witch. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch story any good? Because that's one was turd. <laughs> see, well, I don't know. Uh, see, I'm looking in the window here. You didn't say. No, I didn't read it. But basically, oh, yeah. oh the Doctor Strange story. Anyway, that is how the. Uh, that's pretty well how the uh, Tiger Spider-Man story ends. Uh, Man, Scarlet Witch cool. story is during the making of a movie. Somebody says. Mismo, Mismo, Belioth, Avmo, Church of all Belioth, which just coincidentally brings in this green scaly demon from another dimension, uh, and Doctor Strange and uh, the Scarlet Witch figure out that it's just a lost creature who wants to go home, and Doctor Strange sends him back to another dimension. The end. Yeah, <laughs> what, do you, what did you expect? What, what, what are you going to do? But we do get appearance, an appearance by Dr. Strange's <laughs> manservant, Wong. So, <laughs> manservant. <laughs> manservant. So, anyway, Marvel came up with 125. Uh, uh, <laughs> truly one of the uh, highlights of J.M.D. Mateus's writing career. Poor bastard. Uh, <laughs> and 25 more issues, it's canceled. Um, that comes also volume two and volume three. Remember? Yeah, I know. I and then, know. Avenging, uh, and then volume four, but they decide to call that Avenging Spider-Man. Yeah, oh, uh, you, you forgot a volume JR that was there was Spider-Man team up during the Clone Clock era. Oh yeah, good God. Yeah. They've, they've tried the team up for a long time. The other issue that came out this month, I love this cover. It's Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number 74. Uh, Deb Whitman is featured in this one. Bill Matlow wrote it, art by Bob Hall. This one's called Fantasia, yet there's no mouse anywhere to be seen. No sorcerer's apprentice. The mousey isn't in the story? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the octopus is. But the octopus is, yeah. All right. Well, oh. <laughs> you guys are cracking me up <laughs> with the mousy. <laughs> and, and, that cabbie. Yeah, anyway, Fantasia, also known as, you know, Deb Whitman is a damn crazy woman. Um, yeah. Again, again, you know, Marvel always knows, Marvel really knows how to get to the female audience because they write their female supporting characters uh, so wonderfully. Uh, how, it's a neat cover, though, isn't it? Huh? It's a neat cover, though. If, I like it. Well, well. Then again, though, I mean, is Dan Slot? Oh, wait a minute. I don't even want to get Dan Dan Slot starting recommending for people needing professional help. Although it does kind of fit into the story, actually. Okay. Anyway, as you all recall, Deb Whitman was um, batshit crazy. Yeah. Then before she was batshit crazy, she. I'm trying. I'm trying to set the stage here. You know. I mean, I'm not going to tell. You know. I mean, I'm not going to. You know. Let you do like you did the last time and make me reveal the 30 year spoiler that the vagrant was Doc Ock. Okay. Uh, anyway. So, Deb was the timid, mousy secret mousy. See, I worked mousy in there. Sec- it's a mousy. Secretary of what? Oh God, what was his name? I, I, I wanted to say Stern, Professor but it's Sloan. thank you, thank you, Professor Sloan. When Peter went back to grad school, 
uh, and all of the grad students who were also uh, TAs reported to uh, Dr. Sloan, and Deb was his um, his, assist, his administrative assistant. And Deb was a very nice girl who developed a crush on Peter Parker, and Peter kind of liked her, uh, you know. But uh, you know, she was a very shy, retiring type. And Peter, unfortunately, treated her rather poorly, rather shabbily. Uh, and one day, you know, she, she had this guy, uh, old boyfriend she was named Biff Ripken, who she kind of carried around trying to make Peter jealous. And unfortunately, Biff didn't have that great of a personality. He rubbed Peter the wrong way. And once Biff confronted him, and Peter literally slapped him across the hall into a, uh, a bunch of locks, you know, and Deb said, holy crap, how did he do that? And so she followed him and saw Spider-Man swinging away and came to the only reasonable conclusion to make. Well, right. six issues later, we find out that she's seen a psychiatrist because she can't handle what she saw. Well... In issue number 73, the psychiatrist, I know we're on 74, but I've got to set this up. In issue 73, the psychiatrist shows up on Peter's doorstep and says, oh, by the way, Deb Whitman is my patient. She has severe mental problems. She's schizophrenic, and she thinks you're Spider-Man. Okay. Mm. Now, how many, how, how many laws and ethics have been violated here? <laughs> okay. This, well, we've got the patient confidentiality off well, the top. Remember, yeah. and remember. This is written by Bill Mantlo, whose stories I normally liked. Bill Mantlo got his law degree while he worked at Marvel. Marvel paid for his law degree as Jim Shooter has aggravated. Has, really? Yes. Uh, if you read, if, if Shooter did not like Mantlo. And uh, if you read his blog. Yeah, yeah, if you read Shooter's blog, um, I think, I don't know if he mentions Mantlo specifically by name, but it is obviously Mantlo, because, which actually is confirmed in the, in the, the story about Mantlo later, year, which I think we actually talked about a year or two ago, where he's in some kind of assistant living facility. But Mantlo had a law degree. So, so anyway, so the psychiatrist says, Deb's my patient. But he says, Deb is, let's see, here's what, here's what he says here. Here's what he says. Uh, Deb uh, has a long history of reality fantasy confusion. In layman's terms, she's schizophrenic. I'm sorry. That's not schizophrenic. Okay. <laughs> a long history of reality and fantasy confusion. You probably just described just about every woman on the planet. Okay. <laughs> and wow. I ain't touching that wow. one. Wow. <laughs> you go ahead. With that yeah, one. I, wow. I, 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 well, you get your own rope on that one, son. Well, well you're probably, I mean, you, I mean, you've already given your wife a child. You probably haven't been touching it for some time. Oh, <laughs> holy cow, JR is hitting me right in the, in, in the mouse seat right in 2013. <laughs> but, you know, and, and of course, I, I, haven't. I know I took a broad swipe there. But basically, just because Deb has mental, you know, she confuses things, she's schizophrenic. That is not schizophrenia. That, I mean, this is stupid. These, these are the reasons. This is stupidia. For example, this is, the, you know, and, and, as, and as we go on, you'll see more. This story is on my 10 worst Spider-Man stories ever. Okay. Nice. Stalker from the Stars is not. Hypno Hustler is not. I mean, and, and to me, I think you could tell the obvious difference why one is clearly so much worse than the other. So what this, the psychiatrist tells Peter, what I want you to do is pretend to be Spider-Man because... If you would pretend to be Spider-Man, maybe we can convince Deborah of the absurdity of her fantasies. Okay, so as you know, 
as anybody who who knows anything about mental illness knows, the way to to way to help somebody in deal with their mental illness is to dress it up in a costume, come up behind her, and go, and that will cure her. <laughs> oh no! Those, those incidents on the subway. Remember in New York recently, where people have pushed people into the subway in front of a subway train. Yeah. If someone had just dressed up in a costume and went to them and went, you know, that would they, that wouldn't have happened. There wouldn't be this homeless problem. One hundred and one here. You know. So, so anyway, so this. So Peter is mulling over whether or not he should do what the psychiatrist thinks he should. Oh, God. <laughs> in, in, in the meantime, the uh, Dr. Octopus and the Owl are in competition with each other to take over, to try to overthrow the Kingpin, you know, to be the, you know, crime master of New York. And even though it's not specifically stated there, one of them is trying to steal a nuclear device and the other is trying to steal the detonator. And that's the, the owl octopus subplot that's going on. Uh, uh, and so we have a big scene where the henchmen of the owl fight the henchmen of Dr. Octopus. Uh, also, during this time, uh, Deborah, I mean, Peter goes to Dr. Sloan and says, hey, I hear, uh, you know, I hear Deborah's a wacko. What do you know about it? Uh, so Dr. Sloan says, uh, Deborah has a severe emotional problem. I knew about it when I hired her. And he- <laughs> After her release from the hospital, and, and Peter, Peter says, "Peter says, hospital. Why she was there? Why was she there?" Doctor Sloan says, "Well, I can't breach your confidence. You know, oh, I just, you know, after just telling Peter he hired her after she got out of a mental hospital. You know, oh by the way, I can't, I can't breach your confidence. Can't, can't go that far. No, but at least he kept more of her confidence than her own psychiatrist did. Yeah. I can't breach your confidence. Ask her psychiatrist; he'll tell you." Unbelievable. <laughs> but here, read her diary. Yeah. <laughs> Mercy. Anyway, so P- Peter decides to see Biff Ripken, so he goes to the the health spa where where Biff works. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's Biff working out in his shorts, and and it, but but honestly, now it turns out Biff is actually. The, the character, the most sympathetic character with the most sense in this entire drama, uh, because Biff knew Deb when in uh, college in the Midwest, uh, you know, which and you know it's in the Midwest because there's snow on the ground. Anyway, uh, Deb was previ- Deb was married uh, to a dirtbag of a husband who beat her, and one day when. Uh, when her husband was beating on her, uh, Rifkin, who just happened to be walking outside the apartment, you know, <laughs> and, you know, no stalking there whatsoever. Uh, anyway, he caught the, the the husband beating on Deb, so he he cleaned his clock, and uh, Deb separated from her husband and moved to New York, uh, and uh, got a job with Doctor Sloan. So anyway, so then. You know, when Peter hears that sad story, he says, oh, you know, I re- it's all my fault. You know, Deb may have been – Deb may have had some severe psychological issues for years, but I know that her seeing me swing off as Spider-Man set up, was the trigger for everything. Okay, sure. you know, it's, it's a good thing his degree is in chemistry and biology and not in psychiatry. So then he, he goes to Deb's apartment, and she's sitting there on her bed in her nightgown talking to her stuffed animals. And oh no, <laughs> she's does she, she have a Spider-Man stuffed animal on the bed? No, no, she's talking to a. It looks like 
uh, a Snoopy stuffed animal uh, and uh, uh, a teddy bear and uh, a stuffed rat. So oh, stuffed rat. And, and, and Spider-Man says, oh, no, she seems totally cut off from reality. And then he th- <laughs> and then he thinks about all the people he's failed. And then what should make an appearance in the background for Tony? This is one of your lines. What when oh. he starts about everybody he's failed, what appears? It's all my fault. I don't know. I don't have any The floating heads of guilt. The floating. Oh, the floating. The floating heads of guilt. Okay, I, I thought it was a line. Yeah. Sorry, I, I missed my cue. The floating heads of guilt. You came up with that. You know. Well, I, I got it from a girl on Live Journal, but it fits. So anyway, so he decides. Well, I can. Deb's been driven to the edge because she knows I'm Spider-Man. And it makes it, and because her past makes it impossible for anybody to believe her. So he says, I'm going to make it all right. I'm going to tell her that I'm Spider-Man. So the panel is, yes, Deborah, I'm Peter Parker, and or Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And in the drawing, you see like these concentric circles emanating from Spider-Man's mask. So you know he's hypnotizing her. Yes, Deborah, I'm Peter Parker. I'm Peter Parker. And then Deb laughs. Well... She, and she, she takes off his mask, and she says, Aha! Of course! It's not true! You know, it was all my imagination, and you coming here and admitting it just confirmed that it was my imagination. Peter, thank you so much. You're the best friend a girl could have. And then By the Peter way, how'd you come in through the window? Yeah. Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> On the on the next page, as he kisses Deb goodbye, you know she gets on a yeah. bus to go back to the Midwest, you know. And as she leaves, he says, "Hey, what if Deb ever wonders how Peter Parker climbed up onto her terrace?" Uh, mm. But the story ends when he hears he hears this fe- this this female laughter, and he turns around, and it's the black cat, and the black cat is alive. And she has the detonator to the nuclear bomb, you know, which becomes the MacGuffin for the next few issues and sets off what actually is one of the better Dr. Octopus stories. But in the middle here, this was just an awful, disgusting. And then it's like, again, it's like Deb wasn't good enough for our hero because she's a damn crazy woman. You know, and in tw- and literally in a year, a year later, they did the same thing with Felicia. Um, it made her crazy. Well, they, then it was you know here she had been this cute, flirty, amoral, you know, foil for him. And then when he revealed himself, then when he revealed himself as Peter Parker, it was she decided she loved Spider Man, not Peter Parker, and she acted like a lovelorn ditz. I mean, I mean, if you recall reading these stories, she was basically a, a love struck thirteen or fourteen year old girl. That's how she behaved. Uh, and, and if memory serves, we didn't see Deb Whitman until the Peter David story, right? Peter, not until Peter David brought her back uh, yeah. after the unmasking, where she had written a book called "How Peter Parker Ruined My Life." <laughs> this is ju- this is just, I mean, th- this is an eight-year-old's version of mental of of, of mental illness and uh, and women. You know, it just it's just absolutely stupid. I mean, it's 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 I, I you know, and and none of these are my particular causes, you know. Uh, or anything, but I, I just can't believe that this story, you know, j- again, Jim Shooter, you know, this was, let's see, was Jim Shooter the editor-in-chief? I guess this explains why Jim didn't like Bill Mantlo, but, you know, remember, this is the same editor-in-chief who said, before I got there, everything sucked. When I got there, the stories were all good and they came out on time. 
you know. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's this, this really is a very, very, very poor, very disgusting uh, story, and uh, yeah. I, I just don't know how in the world it. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm looking no, at a thirty-year. Maybe maybe I'm looking at a thirty-year story. <coughs> well, yeah. Anyway, that was it. Peter Parker, seventy-four. The uh, I don't know if you read any of these others that Spider-Man briefly appeared in. It was Marvel Fanfare number six. Did you read that one? Uh, no, the, I saw the cover. I've been I've been trying. To, I don't have it. Uh, I don't have very many okay. Marvel fanfares. That was a. Me that was a. It lasted about what forty-four or fifty issues or whatever. It, yes. And, uh, yeah. It was, it was like, like a different material. Yeah, they were all one shots, and it was this, this the the cover was the Scarlet Witch, ho- a cradling Spider-Man in some you know mystic looking thing. So. Also, uh, he appeared briefly in uh, Incredible Hulk 279. That's when uh, Hulk kind of got a pardon from the president because he had Banner's brain, and Spider-Man was one of the heroes holding him up in the White House lawn, I Which think. Uh, Reagan. It was 83. So, do you remember that one, JR? Did you not get well, that one? Well, my brother got it, and I remember it, but I don't remember yeah. Spider-Man being in it. See, I think it was just all the heroes were you know, coming to support right. the Hulk. Right. Uh, he also briefly appeared in Kazar, the Savage number twenty-two. I don't have that one. I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was with his saber-toothed tiger Zabo, right? Zabo, you, you hit it right on the Zabo. Also, uh, Fantastic Four Zabu. number two fifty. Uh, didn't get that one. I I did it's during the burn run. I'm trying trying to get an image. What does what does FF two fifty look like? Is that the Doom with the Mini World? I have no idea. Tiny Town? Yeah. I read all those stories, but I don't remember what issue numbers they correspond to. No, oh, no, no, no. Maybe it was Galactus. I remember, like, Daredevil and God. Spider-Man, like, watching everyone fighting Galactus, being like, yeah, we, we can't really do anything here. Got it. Fantastic Four 250 was a good one with, um... um called X-Factor on the cover, and the Avengers, I mean, the X-Men, it looks like uh, the Gladiator, Spider-Man, and Captain America are all charging the Fantastic Four in the middle. I don't remember what the plot of the story was, but I remember the first page, I think, was a big splash page of Spider-Man by John Byrne. So, good month, bad month. Does that spec ruin the whole month for you, JR? Well, well you know, holy shiz nipples, you know. Um... <laughs> It was, uh, it, you know, it didn't ruin the whole month. I mean, uh, and really, you know, we had a Roger Stern story. Uh, we had a stupid Marvel team-up, which is pretty, I mean, that was typical Marvel team-up. And really, the, the, and, and this uh, this issue is spectacular. I, you know, I don't know, I mean, because, like I said, Mantlo, I thought, was a fairly good writer. And this is like right smack in the dab uh, middle of a, of a classic Doc Ock story, but... Uh, Obviously, he sure as hell didn't know didn't know very many people who actually either were one female, two struggled with mental illness, or three worked in the psychiatric profession. So, and that's a wrap on this episode. Before we go, I got to give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on Superior Spider-Man number five, and this one, Spock, as I like to call him, goes up against Massacre. And we see if our hero of the book is willing to kill a supervillain. The cover price is $3.99, and mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Spider-Man Crawl Space.com.